What you are about to hear is a labor of love. Our love is for the music, and music is for the people. We at Rockstrikes10 and cnjradio.com have always recommended that any music we promote on our shows be legally purchased, downloaded, and or streamed. We feel this way not only for our network of shows, but for all music-based shows. By supporting the artist in this way, more music can be created and the industry as a whole can prosper. The music is owned by their respective labels or hopefully the artists themselves. This broadcast is owned by cnjradio.com. Our only mission is to promote the music we love and promote the legal purchase of it. Enjoy the show and turn it up. Welcome to Rock
Welcome to Rock Strikes 10, the show guaranteed to always give you 10 songs, no more, no less. My name is Joey. I want to thank everybody for tuning into the show here today, especially if you're doing it at the central station of cnjradio.com. All right, this is part three of this three-parter, the last part of this week where we celebrate the odds and ends dealing with the letter C. If you don't know what exactly that means, go back a couple of episodes, back to episode 443, and I will explain it all. That's a good place to start anyway if you haven't heard those episodes. Start 443, and then hit me up on this one, and then you'll be caught up. Oh, hopefully you'll be caught up. By the way, let's let's just get this out of the way. I, I may have something special planned. I don't have anything as of this recording planned, but it kind of came and went. So anybody who's been listening to this show since like day one, or let's even just say year one, which was 2011, and the actual 10th anniversary of the very first episode of Rock Strikes 10 happened uh, just this last week as of this recording, uh, sometime around... August, you know, somewhere, I think August 11th might be the actual anniversary. I'm not sure. I really don't. But it's, it's around there. It's like the second week of August, 2011. 10th anniversary. So congratulations to me. And uh, just want to give an extra shout out to the longtime friends of the show. I, I think I am, you know, just even saying it, I think I should plan on doing a special show. So if you're a longtime friend and supporter, I'll give you a special shout out on that one. Let's get back into what I played here at the top of the show, finishing up the odds and ends with the letter C. That was iconic, legendary Hall of Famer Chuck D of Public Enemy and a solo track called Generation Wrecked, with three Ks in it, by the way, just for if you're spelling it, you know. But yeah, you know, hey, we've been having fun with that spelling for quite a bit here, especially in the hip-hop community and stuff like that when it comes to dealing with assholes and we're yelling at them which is, is definitely a thing in metal and hip-hop. So yeah, punk rock. It's all punk rock and rock and roll. Anyway, so yeah, a, a solo track by Chuck D. Uh, definitely a rock, hard rock, you know, oriented kind of thing, which isn't anything new for Chuck, I mean. I love that early on he embraced the rock and roll aspect and the danger aspect of what it could contribute as far as hybriding into hip-hop and rap music. Uh, but yeah, that song was called Generation Wrecked, it was from a true odd and end, a soundtrack to a film called Nowhere, which was a Greg Erickey movie. And if you know that name, then you his his movies, in my opinion, super tough to watch. Not very rewatchable, uh, you know, but I can't hate on it. You know, it's like almost like true independent filmmaking. It's definitely shock filmmaking. There's some people that don't like Eli Roth, you know, but... Uh, you know, Greg Erickey does the same thing. He just gets to act a little bit more hip and cool because it's more Indian, you know, alternative kind of thing. Anyway, getting off that topic, uh, I, I got to say the soundtrack to the movie Nowhere is infinitely better than the movie itself. I'd say if you're definitely a fan of 90s alternative-based music and especially 90s alternative-based film soundtracks, because there's some good ones out there, Nowhere should be in that conversation. There's some good stuff on there. And even some stuff on there that I don't necessarily pick up personally, but it works on the soundtrack. Like, there's even some stuff by Daft Punk, Chemical Brothers, Radiohead, you know, people like that. Uh, you know, it, it makes a good top-to-bottom listen. Like I said, bands I wouldn't normally buy. But I do normally buy a Chuck D or Public Enemy record, and I love that track. If you like that kind of style that Chuck's throwing down, you might want to check out a project he was doing around that time called Confrontation Camp. 
it's a little side rock project, uh, like almost like shock rap. Uh, so yeah, maybe you didn't know about that. So go check that out. That track itself, Generation Wrecked, actually does appear on one of Chuck D's solo albums. But that was a remix version that was remixed by Danny Saber. If you're a big music nerd, you'd probably know that name. You've seen him on a ton of credits on a ton of records. Uh, Danny also was responsible for my least favorite Alice Cooper record. So I'm not going to try to hold that against him too much, but it's definitely his fault because he, he wrote most of the album too. But that all being said, I, I think his remixes sound pretty great, and that's a great example of him adding to a track and not hurting it because I actually think the remix is better than the original. So there you go. Generation Rex, Chuck D, the Danny Saber Rock remix from the Nowhere soundtrack. Welcome to the Odds and Ends, where I have to explain a lot about where this track comes from and stuff like that. So let's get back into the music. Speaking of confrontational people, and speaking of confrontational legendary iconic Hall of Famers, we're going to go into a track by The Clash. Yes, The Clash. Clash, Cutter. Okay, no, sorry. Back into PCU. But yes, when it comes to odds and ends, there is a treasure trove of songs through The Clash's catalog. So, you know, like the the whole British style of putting out single-only releases and stuff like that. So there's so many of them. They were collected in a really cool collection, initially called Black Market Clash. There's an expanded version called Super Black Market Clash, which you got to get that one. That is a must-have for sure. The Legacy CD, the remastered one, that one's got all the tracks on there. I wish I had a vinyl pressing of that. I do have Black Market Clash, but it doesn't have all the songs on it, you know. But it's cool. It's a cool 10-inch. But Super Black Market Clash, definitely recommended whether you're doing digital or CD. That's the one to get. But this other one is absolutely essential. And I'm going to represent this particular album whilst also representing Super Black Market Clash. So I wanted to represent both things. So I'm like, well, how do you do that? Okay, easily enough, I'm going to go over to the live album. So live from here to eternity, one of the best live albums ever. I think it's a compilation. I don't know if it's a full show or not. I should know that because it's like just one of my favorite live albums ever. It sounds so damn good. The band is freaking on fire. I think I've played Complete Control from it before, which is one of the great live openings ever. But I'm going to play a track here that also represents Super Black Market Clash. So about halfway through the show, we get a really killer version with a really cool uh, bit in the middle here with uh, Joe attempting to call up the radio station to play an oldie. And you'll see their fictional response here. But here you go. Here's The Clash just killing it right here with a live version of Capital Radio. Enjoy.
The Clash, with their song Capital Radio, which was a single only or a B-side or something like that. It didn't make a proper album, but it's a great song and it totally should have. I think it's from around the first two albums era, that particular song. But yeah, cool song there, for sure. And a very relevant song to this day. It definitely, I mean, Terrestrial Radio sucks, we all know that. That's why you're listening to a podcast, that's why you're listening to my ass. Terrestrial Radio absolutely blows. I know my local rock station. Tell me if you have the same problem out there. Now, now if you have a local rock station that still gets it, and I'll even let you count AM, whatever. If you're doing that still, if you're going up and down the dial, like if there's a station that still plays good shit, good variety of shit, let me know. I'd be totally curious. They have an online listening app. Let, I'd love to know. I, I still love radio at heart. I'm a SiriusXM subscriber, and I think they still have the soul of radio in them. So, you know, like you can hear those. You can hear stuff like Wooly Bully if you want to. Just tweet the DJs. They're usually pretty bored, you know, because millions of people have Sirius, but they don't really interact with it. So if you tweet those DJs, they'll probably play the shit you want if it's within their wheelhouse of the channel they're on. But yeah, let me know if you have a local station that you like. Or even like if you have like over here, we have a thing called KNON, which is, you know, like PBS charity driven radio. And it's been going on for decades and I love this. Like sometimes I'll actually tune in to KNON if I'm coming home from the record store, uh, hanging out with Chris Penn. And there's this guy. I, I wish I had his name. I don't know his name, but I love him because he sounds like a big old good old boy from Texas. He, look, he sounds like he looks like a roadie that's been doing it for 30 years. And uh, you know the guys is like the same motherfucker kick some dick. You know, like one of those guys. But he plays heavy metal, and he plays all types of heavy metal. He plays new shit. He plays old shit all the way in the middle. So he's a fun guy. I like that. And they do dub reggae on this channel. So, you know, by the hour, things will be different. And I, I dig that, you know, like it's funny. Public driven radio is definitely for the public at this point and not so much the ones you can get, you know, quote unquote for free. Wow. A lot of diatribes on the show here today. I am shot out of a freaking cannon. So with that song, that actually represents the last of the originals on the show tonight. I was looking over the playlist. I'm like, holy shit. The rest of the eight songs on the show, I believe, are all covers. So I hope you like covers because I'm going to be dealing them out like they're going out of style here on the show. 
Let's continue on with a song from one of my favorite soundtracks ever and one of the best rock biopics ever. I, you know, in this day and age where we have access to a lot of information and books and stuff like that, it's easy to figure out, you know, if these movies are taking liberties or not with their timelines and stuff like that. But I will say back in the day when I had no shit about shit and I saw a movie like La Bamba, I loved it. So like I said, I don't know how accurate it is. I haven't read the trivia track in a long time, but I do know I love the movie. So maybe ignorance is bliss sometimes. But if you've never seen The Baba, it's definitely worth your time. Uh, a great story about the life of Richie Valens. And there's a cool moment on the soundtrack where, you know, most of it's Los Lobos doing Richie Valens covers and some other stuff. And of course, they had a big hit with the cover of the title track. And some of the other stuff on there is great. So check that out. But also, the cool thing is there's tracks on there to represent the last show that Richie ever played. Spoiler. <laughs> and the cool thing is they got some people of the time they were obviously influenced by these other acts. So they had Howard Huntsbury playing Jackie Wilson, who he was born to play Jackie Wilson. They had Brian Setzer, also a role that he was born to play, playing Eddie Cochran doing Summertime Blues. And another guy, kind of a power pop guy, of course, paying tribute to Buddy Holly and Marshall Crenshaw. And that, that was kind of the forgotten track of the soundtrack, but I really dig it, so I kind of wanted to represent it here. And we're on the letter C, so it makes sense. So here you go, from the La Bamba soundtrack, Here's Marshall Crenshaw's version of the Buddy Holly classic, Crying, Waiting, Hoping. A guy that I don't play too often on Rock Strikes 10, but I dig the guy. Marshall Crenshaw, his version of Buddy Holly's Crying, Waiting, Hoping from the La Bamba soundtrack. 
That album of his, the self-titled one from 1982, that's a pretty good album to check out if you're a power pop fan or just fan of that early 80s sound, you know, the hybrid of pop music and power pop, the Midwest-based stuff. He's a Midwest guy from Michigan, so that's where all the best power pop comes from. Prove me wrong. I mean, that's only where the cars and the raspberries and cheap trick come from, so once again, prove me wrong. Fight me. Uh, Yeah, you can't front on the Midwest when it comes to power pop. But that all being said, speaking of Cheap Trick, that ties in actually pretty well to the next song I'm going to play. Actually, it ties in great to the next song I'm going to play. I'm going to play something by Concrete Blonde. I've actually played them fairly often when it comes to doing these retrospective shows. Uh, so, yeah, you know, I got a lot of mileage off that Bloodletting album. That's a cool record. But, uh, you know, pretty cool band in general. Not a band that I have every album by. But I loved finding out that a few years ago that this cover version of this great song actually exists and that it was done by Concrete Blonde. So... There's a compilation of like their B-sides and, you know, soundtrack songs, comp songs called Still in Hollywood. And it contains this right here, a Cheap Trick cover, one of my absolute favorite Cheap Trick songs. Such a beautiful song, and it's perfect that Concrete Blonde chose to do it. A song from Cheap Trick's debut album. And here's Concrete Blonde doing Mandicello.
All right, Concrete Blonde doing the great Mandicello from the great Cheap Trick. Hope you enjoyed that. Dig that one a lot. And for this next one, I'm going to tell you a little bit of a tale, a little personal tell by your friend Joey here on the show on Rock Strikes 10. So, anybody out there, guy, girl, doesn't matter. I feel like at one point in your life, or maybe even multiple times in your life, you have your like personal anthem, you know. And it's a song that absolutely, like, you feel that every word written for this song reflects who you are as a person whether it's your beliefs opinions or all of that that it just gets perfectly encompassed into this one song and at the time that i heard this song i was in a bad place in my life and you know i was like i don't need anybody you know i'm not going to get married i'm not going to have kids blah 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 you know and we all have that little crisis at one point because it just sometimes we just throw our hands up in the air and it's like we had enough and at this time in my life, I didn't think that I was going to wind up with Nola, even though I was, you know, dead set on wanting to be with Nola. But I got into some other bad relationships. One good bad in the sense that I got a good friend out of it. And the other one was just bad, bad, like dark cloud shit. Horrible. So I was like, man, Nola was a perfect girl, so it's not going to happen for me. And I didn't want kids anyway, and everybody seemed to want kids, so... My whole thing was like, I'm just going to be a loner and, you know, just a temporary thing, you know, for, for anybody that might have me. So that being said, I really, really related to this song. So this song right here, it's called I'm a Drifter. And, it, you know, it's it's like one of those things we tell ourselves that we're like, you know, this badass dude that don't need nobody, even though we're completely breaking down and completely fragile inside. But at the time, I was like, this is my ultimate man anthem. I'm a drifter. And I heard it here sung by Johnny Cash. And the cool thing about this particular track was it comes from the Unearthed box set. And the Unearthed box set is basically like four bonus albums from the American Recording Sessions. Now, you're probably familiar with the Rick Rubin produced American Recording Sessions. There's like like five or six of them now. Like the, one of them was posthumously. And there were like five out in Johnny's lifetime towards the end. The last things he worked on. And it's cool that he had a run like that. Where people were like really paying attention. And he didn't just fade away. Like he died like at the peak of his popularity almost. Which is wild that he had that big huge comeback. So the cool thing about the Unearthed box set. Is that unlike a lot of outtakes and B-sides from particular sessions. Like some of these are just pure freaking gold. So... They must have just been recording at a breakneck pace. And, you know, it's like it's pretty much just covers that they're doing here on these songs. Some of them are originals by Johnny, and but for the most part, they're covers. That all being said, let's get back to my story. <laughs> let's make this about me again. So, yeah, I got the song, I'm a Drifter. Like I said, my, my man anthem. Like, I'm the man, and I'm just, you know, that whole thing. I'm a rambling man, don't need nobody, I'm a drifter. And... The thing that makes this track extra cool is that it's from the session that would wind up being the Unchained album, which the band on that album is Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. And they actually wound up using some of those songs on American 3 later on also. But American 2, Unchained, my personal favorite of all those Johnny Cash records. Actually, my favorite Johnny Cash record of all time is Unchained. I think it's a great, damn near perfect album. And it represents Johnny really well and just the extra cool factor of Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers being the band on there. Okay, so... When I got really into it, I start digging in. Like, I'm reading the box set, the liner notes, and all that stuff. And I was like, this has to be written by Johnny. Maybe it's written by Tom. So I look it up. I see a name on there. Like, that last name sounds very familiar. Could it be? And I find out, yes. And 
by the way, before I say this, I'm not trying to be, I'm not saying this in any kind of disparaging way, but now I just think it's funny and not in a bad way once again. So old Joey's absolute number one man anthem back during his shitty days was a song that was actually written by Dolly Parton. So there you go. There's my story. And that leads into this. Here's Johnny Cash and the Heartbreakers with I'm a Drifter. I'm a drifter A lonesome drifter I got no place To call my own no more I'm a wanderer A lonesome wanderer Got no one to call my own no more Got no strings to tie me down Got no calls to hang around What difference does it make which way I go Got an empty feeling deep inside Still I need to stay alive And who can tell what weighs me on this road I'm a drifter A lonesome drifter Got no one to call my own no more Got no strings to tie me down Got no calls to hang around What difference does it make which way I go Got an empty feeling deep inside Still I need to stay alive And who can tell what weighs beyond this road I'm a drifter A lonesome drifter Got no one to call my own no more Got no one to call my own no more 
It's written wrong at the end. All right, there you go. The Dolly Parton penned I'm a Drifter, performed by Johnny Cash with the Heartbreakers right there, with Rick Rubin just kind of hanging around, napping on a couch, and I'm sure George Draculius actually producing the thing. I, I like to pick on Rick Rubin because he's not a producer. He's an A&R man. But hell of a brand. Big ups to him. All right, anyway, uh, buy some shoes with that money, Rick. Okay. Let's stick with the, uh, I guess, what, what do you want to call it? The southern side of things? the At least the southern mentality? What do you want to call it? Redneck, hillbilly vibe? I, I don't know. It, it's it's all endearing, right? Especially when it comes to music and rock and roll, for the most part. Unless it's some bullshit rah-rah nationalist thing like a Charlie Daniels. But let's stick with this kind of vibe because I love myself some Jerry Reed. He's one of my hillbilly friends, and he's the snowman. So you got to love Jerry Reed. Big ups. Late great Jerry Reed. He wrote some killer country tunes. That great era of, it's like, you know, Jerry Reed and Buck Owens, and they're just writing killer stuff. And, of course, I think most people would say that Jerry Reed's most famous song is probably Eastbound and Down. At least, you know, that one kind of transitioned the generations, and a lot of people know about that song, even if they weren't alive when it was out. So there's that, the whole Smokey and the Bandit thing. And he had other huge hits at the time. But uh, this one, I think, is the best overall Jerry Reed song. And it's been covered, actually, a couple of times by the same guy. So, since, uh, you know, we're doing the letter C, I'm not going to play the first time this guy covered this song. I'm going to play you the second time this guy covered this song by Jerry Reed on one of his solo albums. Or basically, it's actually more of a duo collective, as the name would have it. So, continuing on with the letter C, here's a track by Les Claypool. And this act he has called Les Claypool's Do a De Twang. Here's a nice little backwoods slash back porch, you know, knee slapping version of Jerry Reed's Amos Moses.
All right, Les Claypool's duo, De Twang, and his version of Jerry Reed's Amos Moses. You know, I, I, I enjoyed that version. And years before that, somewhere in like in the late 90s, Primus did do a full band version of Amos Moses on their Rhinoplasty EP, their, their covers EP. It was like a sequel to the Miscellaneous Debris EP of all covers. I've actually played some songs from that duo to Twang record on the show before. I think I've played their version of Staying Alive on there and their version of Alice in Chains' Man the Box. So if that piques your curiosity, go find those shows. I, I tag all the artists on the website, or you can listen to that whole record. There's some send-ups of classic Primus songs on there as well, and some other obscure country songs and famous country songs as well. So there you go, Les Claypool's Duo to Twang. I don't love all of Les Claypool's solo stuff, but I like things like that. They're at least fun and interesting and listenable for me at least let's stick with the acoustic bass stuff right here for this next track i recently actually my first concert back uh since the pandemic was seeing john karabi play uh in this little town about half an hour from where i live called mansfield and there's like a, i guess a handful of places over there that are catering to classic heritage hard rock fans and stuff like that which i'm i'm all for it especially you know like it's a it's a small-ass town. It's got a few sports bars and, and whatnot, and they're booking cool acts. So I was like, hell, man, I will easily travel a half hour to go see John Karabi play acoustic. So I was very excited that that happened. That was that was a good show back because, you know, there, was just, there wasn't like a ton of people there. So I felt decently safe. It was an outdoor show. It was at, It was at this sports bar next to a movie theater, basically. So in a strip mall so hey like i said a gig's a gig and uh john was very gracious that night took a picture with me and i bought this uh cd that i've been meaning to get for years is john karabi unplugged as he says it's a very clever title and here's an acoustic version pretty much the same arrangement that he did that night this is a nice memento little souvenir for the show right here so yeah here you go and i'll play something else you know when i get around to doing that you know talk up on that show but, you know, it's a C. It's a not an end. It makes sense. So, yeah, you never have to twist my arm to play something by the great John Karabi here on Rock Strikes 10. Here is a solo acoustic version of the Motley Crue song that he, of course, sang on originally. This is Hooligan's Holiday.
something by the great John Karabi, an acoustic version of Hooligan's Holiday. Since there was a little train noise there at the beginning of that track, I figured I would derail the show just a little bit here before we get to the end. We're going to stick with uh, that side of things, you know, like the hard rock uh, slash metal based uh, pop metal thing. But we're going to go over here to a band I mentioned earlier on the show. I was talking about Midwest Power Pop. 
and I guess they are. Some people call them new wave, power pop, whatever. It's all rock and roll, right? I, sometimes I talk about categories, but I shouldn't do that as much because I am anti-separatist. But yeah, the car is one of the great rock and roll bands of all time. And I've got a really cool lot and end here. I remember asking for the Just What I Needed Rhino anthology on the cars, this double disc thing back. You know, I asked for it for Christmas, like sometime in the mid to late 90s when it was like a new item and I actually got it. So I was very excited about this for that reason. And for other reasons, I still love that Just What I Needed double CD set. That's something cool to put on the stereo. Thankfully, my vinyl player does have a CD player in it, too. And the cool thing about the Just What I Needed thing, it was, number one, it was the first time that the Cars material had been remastered properly for CD. So it really was the best thing to get by them at the time. And it's still one of the best things you can get by the Cars on CD. But as Rhino goes, some of the best packaging, man. That glitter little sleeve job that they did, you know, like you, you find this probably in secondhand stores nowadays. Nobody ever has the sleeve with it. But man, that glittery shiny sleeve that came with it it just apes the cover and the back cover but it's great you gotta have it along with that that's the full experience a full nerdy music experience right there but the cool thing about it was uh, the way that this thing was laid out of course chronological order which is the only way to do it for the most part like 99% of the time chronological is the way to go now I like the fact that every time they'd finish representing one of the albums there was almost kind of a break in the show where they would play a couple of B-sides that were unreleased or, you know, whatever from that era. So, like, anything that was on a single that was the B-side, you get to hear those songs, and then they move on to the next record. And it does it over and over again, and that's another thing that makes it a great set. And it had a bunch of unreleased stuff on there, at least unreleased to disc at that point. And honestly, at that point, most people weren't thinking about vinyl. They were just buying CDs, so I didn't have any of those B-sides at the time. I have a few of them now, but yeah, this, this one I just wanted to play because I think it's really neat. And it's such a spot-on cover. And I remember, like, I would have both of these versions, like, on my iPod. And, you know, it would shuffle. And then it would take me a second to realize whose version was this. Like, that's how accurate I think this cover is. So here you go. Maybe you haven't heard this before. Maybe you have. Or maybe you haven't heard it in a while. This is The Cars covering Iggy Pop's classic, Fun Time. I like your lips
All right, there you go. The great Rick Ocasek doing his best Iggy Pop impression right there. Very well done. That was Fun Time, recorded by the Cars. That actually never had been released ever uh, until the Just What I Need a collection I found out. I went to go look that up while the song was playing. I just wanted to, hey, what single is that from? So I could be all professional. But apparently it had never been on anything. And this was recorded during the Shake It Up sessions. They also recorded a cover of the Nightcrawler's garage rock classic, Little Black Egg. That's also on that compilation, back-to-back with it. So that that's what they were doing. That was the bridge gap between the Shake It Up album and the Heartbeat City selections on the Just What I Needed CD. Hope you enjoyed that. Let's get back into some more retro hard rock right here. Now, this one's interesting because there's not a lot of quote-unquote solo songs by this guy. I'm going to play you a track by Whitfield Crane. Do you know that name? Yeah. Whitfield was and is the lead singer for Ugly Kid Joe. I think Whitfield is a crazy good talent as far as like a lead singer slash personality. A lot of you may not know this, but Whitfield is such a huge Black Sabbath nerd that I have it on pretty decent authority according to a few stories that have been told here and there that when Black Sabbath got back together like 97, 98, and they were like, you know, rehearsing for their big tour, Whitfield was kind of hired on as staff. And, uh, you know, it was a chance for him to obviously hang out with one of his favorite bands. Uh, But also he was like Ozzy's tutor in a sense, or like his go-to guy, his human teleprompter, if you will, because he knew more lyrics than Ozzy did, which makes sense. It's it's the same thing with like Tommy Thayer and Ace Fraley. Sorry, it was. But yeah, I just thought that was kind of neat. Plus, I think Ugly Kid Joe, I talked about the Nativity and Black Tribute album on a previous episode here, at least uh, this last one or the one before that, how it was like the best tribute album ever. And... And I give Ugly Kid Joe a lot of credit for their contribution to that because that version of NIB freaking owns. I love it. And I think it's even better than the one on Nativity in Black 2. And Ozzy's singing on the damn thing. So how do you like that? Hey, like that shit, huh? Yeah? No, the Ozzy Primus version's good, but Ugly Kid Joe is awesome on that track. Anyway, that all being said, I have a solo track by Whitfield Crane. It's not like, you know, an original song that he wrote or anything. It's one of those things that comes from one of those wild ass tribute albums that you know it's got like different personnel lineup on there and the production may not be as good but it's still neat to hear these people sing those songs and that's basically what these things are to me so i found a really overtly decent tribute album quote unquote but it was actually like a compiled version of different tribute albums so i dig this like I got to hand it to whoever put this together because they basically like cherry picked off a bunch of different tribute albums from ACDC, found some of the best ones and put it on this collection. So I got this double CD that's got really cool things in there. Karabi's on there, Jet Boy's on there. Uh, you know, it, it runs the gamut. It actually has some punk rock bands on there too, like the Angry Samoans and stuff like that. So it, I think it's called High Voltage, uh, tribute to ACDC. Go look that up. It should have at least 30 songs on there or something like that. But on it, it also has Whitfield Crane doing a cool version here of Livewire. And, of course, the other cool thing about it is it practically makes it an Ugly Kid Joe song, but it's credited to Whitfield Crane, so it counts as a C, and I'm sticking to it right here. So you got that, but you also got Klaus Eichstad, who is the lead guitarist of Ugly Kid Joe. So it's like half of Ugly Kid Joe credited to Whitfield Crane doing this here. I'm sure one of Whitfield's other favorite bands, I mean... If you're a fan of rock and roll, this is one of your favorite bands. It just has to be, or you're not a fan of rock and roll. So here you go, Whitfield Crane and his version of ACDC's classic, Live Wire.
All right, there you go. A fun version of Livewire right there by Whitfield Crane along with Klaus Eichstad. It's a cool name, by the way. It's very rock and roll. Uh, but yeah, Livewire, of course, always great. And a decent production on that one for a song that came off a tribute album. I, there was an ACDC tribute album that came out sometime in the late 90s. And it had more, of course, hard rock and heavy metal-based guys, but people with pretty good names at the time. And I think it might have been one of those Bob Kulick jobs. But I think that one comes from the same one that originally had D. Snyder and Anthrax doing Walk All Over You. So that's a pretty cool tribute album, actually. I'd say probably maybe track that one down on its own as well. But like I said, I got it off one called High Voltage. So there you go, a little digging that you guys can do out there if you're a big ACDC fan or a fan of some of those acts, like I mentioned before. This one's probably going to be a little easier to come by, this next one right here, because you can find this track on a handful of different comps. It originally came off of a tribute album, but an interesting tribute album, because it has a concept behind it. Definitely the first conceptual tribute album that I ever owned or even heard of was this one called Stairway to Heaven, Highway to Hell. And if you're a fan of the pop metal of the 80s, then this is a must. It's a great collection of artists. And the concept is it's a drug and alcohol abuse awareness track. Uh, we, we find out years later it's something that Doc McGee did to stay out of jail for doing, <laughs> for doing a lot of charity work and stuff like that. So he organizes the Moscow Music Peace Festival and he puts out this tribute album. But... We did get some cool music and some cool shows because of it. So, hey, you know, whatever. Drug trafficking, but hey, awareness. Right, kids? Okay. Just say no. But, yeah, like I said, Stairway to Heaven, Highway to Hell record. Uh, I love most of that record. There's there's a couple of oddballs in there, but this is not one of them. This is one of those tracks you hear, and it's like, this makes all the sense in the world. And, obviously, the band felt the same way because they put it on their best of later on, or at least the label did. Uh, but, yeah, let's close off with a nice one right here. Uh, one that was also covered by kind of a similar vocal style. I like, I've made the interesting note that probably some of the best Judas Priest covers I've ever heard are definitely done by women because it's just dudes cannot hit the Rob Halford register for the most part. And the ladies got it on Rob right there for sure. And I think the same thing is equivalent to Janis Joplin covers. Uh, I've mostly heard dudes <laughs> do Janis Joplin better you know, than even her or, you know, any other female that's tried to cover it. Sorry, that's just the way I feel. So it works both ways, guys and gals. Uh, for this instance, this song right here, covered by Slade in the 70s, and very well, I might add. I, I believe, actually, uh, this version I'm going to play here by Cinderella, of course, the letter C, I think they actually were probably using Slade's version as the guide for this particular version. Just a theory, but it sounds, if you play those back-to-back, -back, it's pretty dead on. Not that they're not accurate with the original as well, but that's just my opinion. Judge for yourself. You can ABC this. Uh, you got the rest of the day to do it after you listen to my show. This is the last song of the night. Closing off this show and closing off the three-parter odds and ends of the letter C. This is the great Cinderella and move over. Rest in peace, Jeff Labar. Yeah.
So good. I just think that's one of the great covers of all time. It's so well produced. It's so well performed. Everybody is just on on that one. And Fred Curry actually plays the drums on it. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, that's a deep dive. But yes, once again, I'd like to dedicate that song. That song was, of course, dedicated to Janis Joplin initially, and I get that. But I'm sending that one out to Jeff Labar and Gary Corbett. Two members of Cinderella pass away within, what, 48 hours of each other, if that? That's craziness. I will, of course, cover that in more detail later on on a future Fallen episode. But until then, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I didn't mean to leave it on a down note, but that is a great version to move over. So let's think about the positive. Go pick up that Stairway to Heaven, Highway to Hell record. I think it is out of print, quote-unquote, officially, but there's still copies floating around out there. I see it in secondhand stores quite a bit, along with, you know, 45s of Raspberry Beret. Okay. But yes, join me on the next show. Still working on some of these future episodes, so there's a lot of stuff going on. Big things doing in CNJ Radio. To hear all the details about that, I'm going to send it over to my better half, Nola, with the plugs and the best damn outro song in all the podcasting business. Take it away, Nola. Please buy a shirt. We would like to thank you for taking the time to listen to the show today. You can reach us on Facebook or Twitter. We love getting messages and always do our best to respond. Every time you share our show... Our new kittens, Ruby and Ripley, get a treat. We're on Twitter at RockStrikes10, and the direct email is RockStrikes10 at gmail.com. When you search for us, the number 10 is always spelled out. If you would like to support our show financially, we do have RockStrikes10 shirts for sale. For $20, we will ship you out a high-quality, soft-as-heck, next-level branded shirt and a button. Send us an email or direct message for more details or to order. Please help us spread the word about this show and all of our other quality shows by listening, liking, subscribing, and sharing. Our official website is cnjradio.com. You can visit this site for all episodes of Rock Strikes 10 going back all the way to episode number one. While you're on cnjradio.com, check out these other quality shows. The Wrestling House Show, a pro wrestling podcast unlike any other. The Synaptic Empire Audio Transmissions, hosted by Randy Brown, a true alternative. The Last Theater, starring Chris, where cinema's trash is treated like treasure. Talking Rock, with Joey and the great Mark Striegel of Talking Metal. And the I Am Vinyl Podcast with Pete LaRusa and occasionally Joey. Last but not least, we would like to give an extra special thanks to the great Pete LaRusa and the band Spacebeard for the best outro song in the business. Go to facebook.com slash spacebeardband to purchase their music and make sure to tell them that Rock Strikes 10 sent you. We hope you tune into the next show. Until then, have fun.
post-game show is brought to you by... Christ, I can't find it. The hell with it.